Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your word. We're grateful for your um, continued care for your church over the centuries. The outpouring of your Holy Spirit on those who believe the great gift of your word being passed down to us in language we can understand so that we could know the guidance of your son, his holy apostles, and the prophets. Watch over us today, in your son's name, amen. Well, we're in Acts 5. No, it's not going to turn into a series on Acts, because it as the end, essentially, of a series on Acts. Um, this is where I started when I ended up in Acts 3, two Sundays ago, and then looked at Acts 4 last Sunday, and so we're finally back to where I began in my thinking uh, half a month ago. And uh, it's one of those odd situations and I don't know how it happened. Yeah, I have that notebook that I write down what verses of what chapter of each book of the Bible at what year. It goes back to the 90s. Uh, all the passages I spoke on at one date. And I've never preached out of Acts 5. I mean, I probably have had, I've had Bible studies through Acts and the like, but not, not here at church. But it's so familiar, everybody knows this story. Everyone knows what's going on here. You sort of feel that everybody's already sort of self-preached it, if you, if you know what I mean. Part of it is probably the natural uh, distance that a avowed capitalist like myself finds the difficulty of the end of chapter 4 with the communism of the early church is repeatedly thrust at you by the hippies in the church, hippies in the church. So I wanted to make sure that here on the side I did not, because I ended last week at, in Acts 4.31 and so to make sure that people didn't think that I don't believe all the scriptures are inspired, let's look at Acts 4.32. Now the company of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said, and no one said that any of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made to each as any had need. And thus Joseph, who was surnamed by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold his field which belonged to him and brought, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now that was just a prefatory thing to what we have in chapter 5. Everyone sees to each as any had need. It's almost out of the Communist Manifesto, right? From each according to their ability, to each according to their need. And it's easy enough to win an argument with the hippies on this point. 
we're not here to talk about how cool it is that socialism has a place in the early church. Because nowadays, as more and more Christians wear their knit caps on the back of their head and squeeze into their pants, and uh, what else do they do? Grow beards, but they're not really committed to it. They're just doing it because it's ironic. They find because they, 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 they've eschewed the whole idea of the American church. All right? Now, so do I, but for different reasons. They have not liked the church of their fathers. It's too Republican. It's too pro-military. It's too capitalist. And for all sorts of bad and evil reasons, those things have affected, affected the church. So young people today really like this social consciousness. Because if they're socially conscious, and we did it too when we were young, if I just dressed like the world, maybe the world will accept us. If only they find out that the church is just as cool as cool kids. You know, that's the thing that embarrasses you the most when you see some Christian who thinks they're being as cool as the world. You know they're not within miles. But it's awful just to watch it happen. It's like a slow-motion train wreck, you know. It's, uh, it's just awful. Now, here's the problem. And something that may have not passed you by when I read through it here in Acts 4. A great company of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Verse 33, And with great power the apostles gave their testimony, and great grace was upon them all. Heart and soul, great power, great grace, is attending this thing. That's the explanation of what's going on. We get a bunch of people who find a passage that makes them be able to dress up the church to look like their communist friends so they can be cool like their communist friends because they can show us social awareness just so they can say we're doing this because the early church did it. But the problem is the next passage, Acts 5, 1, but a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. Same subject, right? It's illustrating something about it. It went from the, the general circumstance in the people, of uh, the state of the ministry, to a kind of a general responsiveness, subset Barnabas doing something in particular to show you an example of what was done, and now even stepping further into a story where someone who did the same thing sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back some of the proceeds and brought only a part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Everything looked right up to this point. Here's somebody bringing money to the church, right? Proceeds of the sale. St. Peter. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Some people say, See, sometimes you, you, in communism, you have to enforce it. You've got to go get the money. You've got to go 
you know, some churches make you declare your income tax statement so they, they know what your percentage ought to be. Some people like to force people to give so that from each according to their ability involves the stormtroopers coming to your house and getting a check from you. And that's what it sounds like. Satan is, uh, not Satan, St. Peter is, is, is leaning heavily into Ananias. You kept back part of the proceeds. But then St. Peter excuses him for doing that. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? I mean, really, wasn't it? Your property to choose what you did with it. And after it was sold, when it got turned into money, was it not at your disposal? This goes against the notion that anything other than the great grace, heart and soul, moving what happens in a church, what happens in a community. It was at his disposal after it was sold. How is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. The problem was not how much he gave. The problem was he lied about how much he gave. He didn't lie about the amount. It was not $15,000. He gives them 10, tells them it's 15. No. He just told them it was all. All the proceeds of the sale. He said, that was at your disposal. You can sell a piece of property and give $10,000 to the church and tell them it was $10,000. And they said, well, how much you make on the property? And he said, I made $100,000, but you know, here's $10,000. That's cool. It's at your disposal. It was your property before. It was your property when it turned into money. It was not the churches to decide. So what's the problem with Ananias? Now we know this is the case because he's accused of lying to God, attempting that. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died. Okay, this is where the posers who want to be socially conscious don't want their hippie-like cool to be disrupted by God killing every poser in their midst. Because, frankly, they're all posers. Because that's what... Look at what Ananias has done. Well, young men rose and wrapped him up, carried him out and buried him. And make sure that we don't leave the feminists untouched. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. He wants to know if she's in on the lie. And she said, yes, for so much. <coughs> but Peter said to her, how is it you have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Hark, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet and died. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And a great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. So what do we have? Well, first off, we don't have apostles in our midst where somebody who is 
making a gift to the body of believers or the, the work of the saints has to worry for the, their life. You know, you come, you, you lay a gift at the feet of the Apostle Peter, you better expect the discipline is going to be. I mean, he's raising people from the dead with his handkerchiefs. So, you know, you don't want to step on the wrong side of that. So that's not going to happen to you. And possibly because it does not happen, because there isn't any punishment, people fail to, re to see or even study we're being told what happened. The church was holding things in common for the good of the church, and this person had used the opportunity to lie. Now, how in the world, what did he think he was doing? When it says, how is it you have contrived this deed in your heart? That's what I want you to answer. How is it that Ananias conceived, was able to you sometimes wish that there were miracles going on. You know, boy, the church would really be exciting then. How could Ananias go, oh, yeah, I can get away with this. These guys don't know stuff. Being filled, a church filled with miraculous things does not stop people from thinking they can be led by their own desires and inertia. Like any sin, Ananias and Sapphira wanted to have the credit of having given all without having paid the price of having given all. That's basically it. Why have they conceived of this? Was because they wanted people to think that what they gave was the sum total of the profit they made. Because that's the only difference, right? They gave whatever it was, $15,000, shekels, denarius, whatever it was. They gave that. They were happy to be without that money. The only thing they purchased with their lie was people's impression of them. That there was no other profit. You get this when you get to talk to your fellow believers about, what if I won the lottery? Oh, I would, I mean, I would support so many ministries. How much would you keep for yourself? I would support so many ministries. You want the, I'd support your ministry, Evan. I've been promised that. Nobody I know has ever won the lottery. Um, and I, I, I generally tell them, well, why don't you just pray that I win the lottery? That would no middleman then. People want, people are pretending. People want to have, they think, and what is Ananias' underlying thought? This is not really what it's claiming to be. What did he think, he, that God would not see his lie? You have to put that kind of in the back. Like there really isn't that activity. And far worse today, when you have whole churches filled with Ananias' and Sapphira's. Because nobody's dying when they do it. So we know that his desire is to be thought better of. He wanted to go to church and do a churchy thing that everybody was into because all the communists like it and, 
and wow, I'll, I'll do that too, and, and, and I'll get more mileage out of this for myself. He was not one of those whose heart and soul had believed as he ought to. We get people who are moved by the attendance to church, and they know all the things that church people are supposed to do. They learn the glossary of terms very quickly. They know what they should be involved in. One guy I had to kick out of the house many years ago, his defense was, but I sing in the choir. That was, he's also subscribed to pornography, which came through our mail slot. This is before the internet. And his excuse was, but I sing in the choir. They don't understand. He did not understand. Because people do not think, when you do not have the Holy Spirit creating the inertia in you of love, where the need of the body of Christ... And I, I'm, not, I'm not speaking to this group because you're here out of some sort of poser thing. We haven't reached the status of being able to reward the posers. But I want you to be thinking about it. Because I want you to think about it to protect you from the rest of your life, be able to be a counsel to your friends. That if you do not have heart and soul, the belief in Christ, where you're seeing the great grace that has been given you. Because if famine hit, I know that each of us would give what we had. We get together for community meals at various houses to be fed. Those of you who are good at gardening, would be benefiting the saints because heart and soul, great grace has been poured out and you're not here on a pretense. But a lot of places are filled with people who are pretending. Now, if they are pretending, if they have not encountered the grace of God themselves or if they are believing but have not paid attention to it, whatever degree of belief you want to consider Ananias and Sapphira, in. They're not accused of not being Christians. They're accused of trying to lie to the Holy Spirit. They're going to do the pose based on the inertia for those deeds are going to be based on how well it feeds their desire. It's not merely an expression of love for the brethren, not merely an expression of their joy in the Lord, or their patience, or their kindness, or their self-control, or things that the Holy Spirit gave them, they won't be doing it on that basis. They'll be doing that which looks like a church action, be it sing in the choir, give to the, to the box in the back. Everything has, what's the phrase? Everything happens for a reason. You've got a reason for everything you do. Sometimes, I, I know probably this isn't true here, not because there aren't attractive young ladies here, but some men choose to which church they go to according to how many single available women there are. I know some parents who choose churches on the basis of programs. What programs are there for? Well, are the kids taken care of? All sorts of things, reasons. They're not evil. But how do I have the motivation 
What is, my, what is the motivation for gathering together with the saints? What is the motivation for me picking up something to do and donating my time to the work of a particular fellowship? What, what, what motivated me? That's what we're asking, because here we have people doing the right thing, helping each other financially, like Barnabas did, and Ananias and Sapphira getting killed by God for just looking like they were doing the right thing. That's, that's a big distinction. Barnabas is renamed son of encouragement by the apostles. And then the apostles turn around and kill people over a few dollars just because they didn't tell the truth. They were motivated by earthly things. And this in the church, verse 12, and how many signs and wonders were done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. Remember, that's the south porch of the temple. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high honor. And more than ever, believers... Now, if you ever think, back when the Jesus people thing was going on, we were doing street evangelism, and one of the regular conversations between these Christian hippies was, um, you know, trying to be like the early church. They thought, who wants the accreted post-Catholic denominationalism of, you know, whatever, the mainline denominations? Let's go back to be like the early church. And so you look at, they looked at narrative and tried to imitate the narrative. You don't make doctrine from narrative, that's one, but you also can't just, well, you have the teachers held in high esteem. Now, all you need for some, and I just ran into it too many times, some teacher of the local home church that you're in to start to think that that's what's supposed to happen. Like the communism is supposed to happen. Somebody tries to force it on their church, whether or not you live in an affluent country with no famine and everybody can go to Safeway and buy their own food. The church starts acting like communism was the right thing all the time. And they also start acting like holding your elders in awe, reverence set aside. You can imitate the whole thing is, in this passage, is there are things going on that people did that a lot of people could do badly. Because they pick up the action without the work of the Holy Spirit driving them. It was because the juice was coming out of these guys. They were sending lightning bolts across Solomon's portico. Blowing things up. Big explosions. The dead being raised. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and pallets, as that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. His shadow is curing people. All right? Back up, Benny Hinn. He's not uh, just fall. You have the shadow of a powerful man fall on you. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. 
A lot of people think that what's described in the Bible, if you imitate what's described in the Bible, you're a better Christian. If the Holy Spirit was in you like it was in them, you would be like the image of the thing described in the Bible, but you don't get there. You don't fake it till you make it. You don't pretend that what you're doing is really the gift of the Holy Spirit until it becomes the gift of the Holy Spirit. You don't pretend that giving is good and so you better all give, so we'll get you all to give, and it doesn't matter what your motivations are. There are people who evangelize out of some sense, well, this is what Christians do. We go out and we do evangelism things. We have old revivals. We, we go door to door. We, we carry tracts with us. I hear Jim Wilson carries tracts with him. So I'll do that. If you're not doing it because the Holy Spirit has moved you, sharing your goods with others, holding people in esteem, being held in esteem because of the power. You're doing it for another reason. That's the danger of everything is done for a reason. If you're not doing it because of what the Holy Spirit has done in you, because you love. Which comes back to a very personal moment. Ananias and Sapphira, did it not belong to them when they owned it and when they sold it? It all belonged to them. It was their heart that had conspired. It was their heart that had contrived to do it for another reason. So as you look at our own church, our own lives, it's in ourself. Not, we're not going to try to arrange it so um, everybody is suspected of being bad, nor everyone is encouraged to do, you know, hold all things in common. We want to have people changed by the Holy Spirit so that whatever you do, whether you are abounding or abased, whether you are in sickness or in health, you are in the Lord, feeling the great grace of God, and being motivated to do what you do because you are good. Because if you're not good, you will be motivated to do the religious thing for an unreligious reason. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the common prison. Filled with jealousy. Here are the leaders of Judaism, the priests and the Sadducees. Have you ever looked? Have you ever been on the internet? I want see that hand. None of us sung that hymn, but we all have been on the internet. And if you follow religious things on the internet, if you have religious friends on the Facebook, you can watch as little mini debates of truth and falsehood. You get all your Greek Orthodox friends getting all Greek Orthodox on you, and the Catholics and the Protestants and the Lutherans and. One of the key things is, you see jealousy. Now, that's an example 
of what happens. Christians have been arrested by people who claim to be Christians. In this case, they're being arrested by the high priest. So you say, well, they're not Christians. Got it. But they were the religion that God had established. They were religious people. And because they weren't motivated by the Holy Spirit, they acted by normal human motivations, which is, that group is succeeding more than mine. I'm jealous. Ananias and Sapphira saw we would like to have the credit of giving all that we gained from this sale. Their own conceits. They didn't care if it was falsely rooted. They wanted to have the reputational gain. And a lie in front of God was worth it. Here are the priests arresting the apostles of the Messiah because of their jealousy. They were doing it for a reason. No one likes to... No one. Who was the Jew that had a better reason? John the Baptist. And he looks at Christ and says, I must decrease that he may increase. Jews could have the right attitude towards Jesus. And many did, but not enough. But at night, verse 19, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. You're either someone who is motivated by the works of the flesh when you do something religious, or you're motivated by the fruit of the Spirit when you do something religious. They are being pushed back into the temple by an angel of God to speak of this life. When people don't have the life, when people don't have the life, they fall back to the motivations that seem just natural and normal. Of course, I'm jealous. Who wouldn't be? Your ministry is not being respected. You're a high priest of the temple of God in Jerusalem, and everybody's over there in Solomon's porch holding them in esteem and awe. These guys that know I'm in education. I saw the same thing back in the Jesus people day. The, the, the established church had a real problem with it. And established churches now that like we are, you see these emergent churches, you know, with skinny jeans and the net cap. And you're going to wonder, uh, well, I have to wonder, is it jealousy? Well, they may be posers, but what if they're not? What if they're really reaching some place with God and Christ? There's change them about how they function. What if? I gotta be sure that I am not taking my religious position and having it motivated by the works of the flesh. In case you forget what they are, I have them here on the left hand side. You have a choice of which kind of life. You design your religion by now. The works of the flesh are plain fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity. That's where it starts to really click. Strife, oh yeah. Jealousy, we just had that listed. Anger, yep. Selfishness, yep. Dissension, party spirit. That's not throwing parties. That's, that's uh, our, our group versus your group. Envy. Drunkenness, carousing, and the like. The heart of man, when it doesn't have the heart of God, when it has not heard the life, and had the life believed 
in such a wonderful, gracious way that out of you springs love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't care what the person does. He can bring his, you know, his contract for his house and sign over all the equity to the church. I don't care. Or he could not. He could be given a dollar bill in the back because that's what he had in his wallet. But his heart is in the joy of the Lord. It's in the love of God. He's motivated not to be a poser, pretending to be something more righteous than he is. Because none of these things that are motivated by jealousy, enmity, strife, party spirit, they don't look real religious. When you finally see it, that's what destroys the witness. You see Christians treating each other like that, and you go, wow, how's anyone going to believe this? They've dressed it all up to look like it's religion. You will be called on the carpet, like the apostles were, by those who are trying to pretend to be religious, and serving that religion with fleshly hearts. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and taught They did what the angel told them to do. Now the high priest came and those who were with him and called together the council and all the senate of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison and returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the sentry standing at the doors, but when we opened it, we found no one inside. These are those comedy moments where where you'd like to be doing a film of the Acts of the Apostles, and sort of a Keystone Cops routine, you know, that, that here is the, or the, the guards in Monty Python, I'm going with you. And arguing over who's going to stay. You need to have a moment like that. When the captain of the temple, the chief priests, heard these words, they were much perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but without violence, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. When you're stepping into a religious realm with earthly motivations, look at the difference. The temple officials are afraid. They're jealous. They arrest the guy. Something turns out that steps over to fear. The apostles have been thrown into jail. The angel gets them out and says, why don't you go stand in a public place and just ask for it again. They're motivated by love and obedience. People, both groups are doing, trying to do their religious thing. Kind of run the temple. Got to keep it order, orderly around here. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. We want to change that this morning. We must obey God rather than ourselves. Because if you are not obeying the work of the Holy Spirit in you, you are obeying the work of you in you. Because that's what all the works of the flesh are, what you, in your brilliance, think would be the best reason for doing something. What do you got? You don't have patience. What do you got? You don't have love. But I do have malice. I really am annoyed at those people. 
They really did do me wrong. I really am not forgiving. Well, if I don't get mine, who's going to give it to me? All sorts of attitudes will fill in the blank. If you don't obey God, you will obey something. And it's probably someone a lot dumber than God. And a lot less um, righteous than God. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed. Notice that the Sadducees were concerned that they bring this man's blood upon them. And Peter says, happy to, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Which is a reference to a Deuteronomy passage. I think I put a bookmark. Deuteronomy 21, 22. But, and if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but you shall bury him the same day, for a hanged man is accursed by God. That's why, and that's referred to, I think, in Galatians, as one of the accursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so Peter is very happy to remind the Sadducees that you killed him and you hung him on a tree, but God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. In spite of what you did, you killed him, you cursed him. God exalted him. And the exaltation by Christ bringing repentance and forgiveness. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Have you looked at Christianity happening? Can you tell the difference between those who are walking by the Spirit and those who are walking by their religious lusts, religious actions carried on to serve themselves? The Holy Spirit has been got, given by God to those who obey him. That's what we live for. We live for the life we have. We don't, we don't live for the religion. You can mimic the religion. You can show up at the apostles' feet with a big check. And nowadays, because there are no apostles to catch you, you can pose and pretend to be like the second list, be like what Jesus kind of wants and the apostles taught, and you can even have the ground you fight over be the scriptures. You can even have turned the passage we're looking at, should the church be communistic or not. into a fight. If you live by the first list, if you live by the works of the flesh, if those are your motivating forces. Now after this, and I cut this portion out because it was too much for the page. Um, they're having a discussion about it. They wanted to kill them. I mean, this is the Middle East. But one of their rabbis, Gamaliel, argues that, you know, the stuff has happened before. False prophets, false teachers, false messiahs. They dissipate, they disappear. But then he says here on the left-hand side, verse 38, So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. 
For if this plan or this undertaking is of men, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. For the crisis is on us, is not to have a church that is filled with people who look like they're doing Christian things. You want to avoid every semblance, not because it is wrong to have, say, flowers in the church, or a Sunday school, or any program at all. It's almost like that's our, our, our religion. No programs. But if you did, if we did, that it was moved by people moved by the Holy Spirit, and that it would stop as soon as there was nobody there who was moved by the Holy Spirit to do it. Really moved by the Holy Spirit. By their, not led like into children's ministry or something like that, but their heart of love, their heart of patience, their heart of joy. We used to have a Sunday school. I don't know if you remember, well, maybe we didn't. When was that? Um, Melissa Stringfield had a uh, Sunday school for the, this is back when Davis and Sarah Stringfield were tykes. Because she wanted to. And then uh, Hackwitz, uh, Rod Hackwith had a youth group at All Souls called Small Souls. And, uh, and it lasted as long as they were here. Then he moved away. We're happy to see that puppy die. But it was a good, it was a good youth group. They had studied the scriptures and they had a good time. But you always want to have what's done, whether it's being giving to the needs of the church, which we appreciate, or wanting to do something with the, the shed, or whether it's giving of yourself to mow the lawn. And thank you, Creed. There you are. Oh, there you are. And uh, um, whatever it is, you want to be giving it, not because there are cute girls here, and not because the people will admire us for having such a thing, or whatever it is. We want to be following God. Because Gamaliel said, if it's of man, it will fade away. Many ministries have faded away. There are a lot of ministries that they were so established in the Spirit of God that they might never have been famous, but they never went away. You want to be looking for your kind of life, the life that you have, so that you follow God in your religious actions. That it is because you love the saints that you're here this morning. Or that you love the Word. Or that you really look forward to exercising patience with the Christians that you get together with. Because we try your patience. Or you're just joyful and you want to express your joy somewhere. So what is getting, but if it's something like advancement, so you're not at the kirk, this is, this is where you go if you're not at the kirk. That's not a good reason. That's a human enmity reason. So they took his advice back here on the left hand, right hand side. So they took his advice and when they called in the apostles, they beat them. 
and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, that worked before, and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. When you follow God, God's approval rests on you. It's not because following God will get you man's approval, and that's what you really want, because then you just turned into someone following the works of the flesh, your self-advancement. They were, it was an honor to suffer dishonor. In the world, they were dishonored. They were beaten. They had been in jail. But for this name, if this life has affected you, your religion is not lived out for the gain you get to your conceits. Because love points itself to other people. It's not about you. It's not about... Ever hear somebody say something like, well, nobody... Well, I had a guy phone me the other day. Interesting experience. Uh, Sunday afternoon, called me and asked me about our church. And he had been to another church that he just got to town. And nobody had talked to him there. He didn't tell me the name of the church, but it wasn't ours. And uh, I've had people say that about our church. Nobody introduced themselves. Well, heck fire. The church isn't here for you. You come to church for the others. You come to church for the love that you can have a chance to give. He made an appointment with me to get together. Then he broke the appointments, reset the appointment, then didn't show up. But uh, it was, so I don't know who this person is. He might be here. There's, no, I know all of you. We're carrying the things God has given us in grace into each other's lives. It's a gift to others. You become interesting. You become wonderful. I don't think it's wrong to, I think it's good for you to welcome people you don't know. It's right for you to do. Probably wrong for them to comment on it. So, your life is at your disposal. You get to choose what you do with it. Time-wise, you get to choose how much of it you give to the work of God and why you give it. So, is it going to be because you're motivated by all the things the rest of the world is, but you're just, you're just kind of religious? Or, have you seen in the life of Christ the things that His Holy Spirit are trying to create in you, and you want to do these things because you love, because you're rejoicing, because you're at peace. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. In each of us, we had asked that you would make us the kind of people your Holy Spirit wants so that our motivations are not like Ananias and Sapphira, who, in spite of how great the ministry and exciting the ministry and how big the revival, still thought they could be moved by their own self-advancement. And keep us from being like the Sadducees who become jealous, expressing all sorts of vindictive human war because we're living in the religious world by human attitudes. We'd ask that you would make us what your Holy Spirit wants. 
that our life would be led by love, that what we do as a church from the giving down through the activities would be because we have that love. Keep us from being posers. In your son's name, amen.